What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Steve Caballero. He joins us via Skype from actually just a, a few miles up the road from me here in uh, in San Diego. It was nice to get him on the show. It we it'd been um, a while in the making, as is most of the shows. I hope you guys are enjoying the shows coming out a little more regularly now. Um, we got a couple cool sponsors on this show who I want to um, give a quick shout out to. Uh, first, uh, our friends over at SD Wheelworks um, are sponsoring this show. They are over at 7550 Miramar Road. Uh, it's Suite 300 right next to Black House Team Noguera where I get a little jujits. Um, and there's a gun shop right next door as on the other side as well. So uh, I, I think it's like Big Shot or something. They're super into the bow and arrow scene over there, which has been exploding. They ca- they carry all sorts of rad stuff over. The- Number one, it's you know locally owned business. It's all I think it's really important to to support. Uh, if you want to keep money in your um, in your neighborhood and and build your your economy around you, I think it's important to support small business. Um, they have motopeds, so I think people who listen to this show. Uh, with Steve will be super interested in the motopeds that they sell. I think they're the number one uh, retailer of motopeds here in California, maybe in the, in the country. Let's just say in the, in the universe. Fuck it. Uh, they're like a bicycle dirt bike hybrid that you could literally be driving down the street and then all of a sudden turn the motor off and be riding your bicycle down uh, the boardwalk. So you can get into some cool shit. I know there's a lot of like practical applications for people who are like hunters or people who just like to get out into the woods or people who like to ride dirt bikes and shit. Um, that seems to be one of their really popular items. Uh, so if you're interested in that, make sure you go hit them up. Uh, follow them at SD Wheelworks on Instagram and you can see posts about all the stuff that they're up to. Um, they sell these Linus bikes that I really like that are like European Amsterdam style, but I believe they're made in the United States, like made in Jersey or something. I, don't, I probably shouldn't just make up shit, but it doesn't matter. Uh, the, those bikes are rad. I just like thing like bikes that you could put a six pack of beer, um, like a, a case, like, you know, like a milk crate of records or paint or whatever on the back and go right around. I, that's really romantic to me for some reason. Um, they also have a wide array of like BMX bikes as well. They got a, uh, a mini ramp in the back. Secret, shh, don't tell anybody. Secret mini ramp in the back that a lot of the BMX pros who are in town will stop by and uh, charge the ramp for a while. So uh, make sure you go check them out. Give them a call, 858-695-BIKE. Does, do cell phones have the fucking letters on them? I guess I should say the actual number. Let's see. Yeah, okay, cell phones still say it. I wasn't sure. Fuck, I don't I don't even look at my keypad that often. But give them a call, 858-695-BIKE, and uh, follow them on, on Instagram as well. Tell them the podcast sent you. If you need your tire fixed, it's like a cool bicycle garage too. It's not like a like stereotypical like bike shop. Like they have a retail setup, but it's like a place. I don't know if anybody saw who listens to the podcast, but I just posted this thing uh, on my Instagram at Mike Maxwell Art uh, over the past like month or so. I've been working on these octopus paintings, 
and it's actually a one painting and all the characters in the painting are actually uh the crew at sd wheelworks and uh people who hang out there which you can find me there occasionally so check them out at sdwheelworks.com and at sd wheelworks on instagram and the facebooks and all that fun shit also you've been hearing me talk about these guys for uh the last couple episodes soho design house is making really cool um art-based rugs that basically it takes old uh, people's paintings or illustrations or um, graphic work you know it could be digital and turns it into a handmade rug the pieces are are immaculate uh, they, they show the process on their website sohodesignhouse.com or just s-o-h-o-d-h.com which is also where you can follow them on instagram at s-o-h-o-d-h um they have a bunch of really cool artists who have already done some designs for them uh people like uh pixel poncho david flores hydro 74 uh circle you know i always thought that dude's name or girl's name i don't know if male or female uh was c reichel for some reason like there was another y in there but it's circle c-y-r-c-l-e um and hebrew uh, brantley um i would say go over check out if you're in la you could check them out at uh, 6912 melrose avenue and you could see their showroom and see some examples of some of the work that they've done so far and you can also find some stuff online again s-o-h-o-d-h on instagram or sohodesignhouse.com and check out their website the the story of um the business is pretty interesting I think that uh, being able to see the whole process that it goes through and sort of the meticulous nature in which uh, the pieces are made, it's, you know, it's a, it's art reproduction, but the reproduction in and of itself is an art form. So uh, if you need a a really cool rug to hang on your wall, uh, if you need one to put on the floor and have like a piece that you could talk to all your guests about and have them fawn over you and think that you're the best person in the world, check out Soho designhouse.com uh, at s-o-h-o-d-h at instagram and uh thanks to those guys they're helping me uh get these shows out and uh keeping me on the ball so please do me a favor uh even if you don't need a bicycle or a rug go check them out give them a follow on instagram say you heard about them on the podcast and uh and they'll appreciate it and i'll appreciate it and you'll appreciate it it helps everybody everybody's helped out okay so uh, make sure you follow me at Mike Maxwell Art on all the social medias. Follow producer Lex at producer Lex. Uh, big shout out to him, even though he hasn't been on the last couple episodes. He has definitely been here in spirit and has helped uh, me be able to put out uh, podcasts a little more spontaneously. So big ups, producer Lex. We miss you in the womb chair, but uh, I'm sure he'll be back as soon as he can. And uh, let's get right into this. Thing. Follow the podcast at Live Free Podcast, and follow those people who I just who I just chatted about for eight minutes. All right, let's give Steve Caballero a call. Mr. Steve Caballero, what's up, my friend? How's it going? Long time no see. It, it, it's uh, it's been a while. Now that there isn't all like the ASR and there isn't as many like festival type things in San Diego, I feel like I don't get to see you as much. Yeah, it's it's been a while. Um, but <clears throat> you maybe see me because I live down in Carlsbad now. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I saw um, you just participated in the um, show down at La Bodega. Uh, they just did the uh, – it's a Kick to the Curb, right, was the name of the show? Yeah, Kick to the Curb, too. It was their second year, and uh, Chris is an amazing gallery owner, and uh, I just love the place. Uh, cool turnout. Got invited to another show coming up. Um, it's a Marvel versus DC around uh, Comic-Con. Oh, nice. Yeah, I love that space. It's I've I've only been able to go to a few events, and I've, I've been able to luckily have some art in a couple of them. Yeah, I dig it. You know, it, it, it took a while for me to kind of get connected with uh, the art scene here, but uh, things kind of uh, fell together, and uh, yeah, I think uh, it's going to be cool now. The, you know, because living up north, you know, I know all the places in San Francisco, San Jose, Santa Cruz area, but coming down here, I really didn't know where I could show some of my art. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really cool hooking up with Chris now. Yeah, that's right. Um, let's jump back if we can. You, like you said, you grew up, uh, up North, uh, you grew up in San Jose, San Jose, California, um, was born and raised there and, uh, kind of spent most of my time in Campbell, which is kind of like the little outskirts area of San Jose. There's little pockets of little towns within San Jose. It's really, it's really kind of a small, small little area. Um, uh, What did your folks do? Uh, my dad was a printer and my mom was just basic housewife, you know, um, the youngest of five. And, um, pretty much when I started getting older, they had, they had already grown up and kind of moved out and I kind of just hung out by myself and, uh, found skateboarding, you know, and around 1976. And then that's kind of been my path ever since. Yeah, sure. And, um, that's something I want to talk to you about Uh, uh, before you and I met, through artwork um, at a cool event uh, working on a mural project. Uh, but you know, we could just jump. I mean, we just start at the beginning, I suppose. But something that I've been thinking about, like getting ready to talk to you is, you know, for most people who I've talked to on the show, like skateboarding, graffiti, art, uh, certain alternative lifestyles, I you know, I use that term very generally, have uh, been – something that has been inspiration for a lot of them. So in terms of like what has come before them has played a pivotal role in who they became. Now for somebody like you, you are at the very like, you know, day one in in essence of modern skateboarding. They're really, from my perception, it seems like there wouldn't be those sort of teachers for you, for you and your generation, I, I imagine there is, but to a certain extent, I feel like you guys were like the birth of something that we now could look at over, you know, history. Um, I'm wondering how you find it and how it how it becomes uh, what it has over that time period. Is that too, maybe too broad of a question? But for you, like, how did you find it first of all? Well, how I found it was. Um basically skateboarding was kind of popular in my neighborhood. Uh, everyone had a skateboard, you know, or a bicycle, you know, I really wanted to race BMX uh-huh. and, uh, I went to a BMX race one time and with my, with my dad and, um, I just found out that I just didn't have the legs for it. You know, I was always pretty small for my age and I, I knew the guys that I was racing were, you know, about two feet taller than me. So, I kind of already was wise enough to be like, you know, I, I don't think I could ever place against these kids because I was so short. 
Um, but then with skateboarding, it really didn't matter what size you were, you know. And and so I, you know, I messed around with skateboards here and there with 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 uh, neighborhood friends. But it wasn't until like, you know, going to Seven Eleven and finding these magazines called like Skateboarder Magazine, Skateboard World, that I got attracted to it by looking inside and seeing, you know, guys riding in pools and building ramps and these skate parks that were uh, being advertised in Southern California. You know, I really wanted to uh, participate in, in that, what I saw in the magazines. You know, so um, I found out that there was a skateboard park there in Orange County called the Concrete Wave, and it was right across the street from Disneyland. My dad took me there. And I just fell in love with it, and I was just like, "Man, I want to, I want to ride skate parks for the rest of my life." Is that where they film? Is that where they film that episode of Chips? They might have. I mean, you know, it's a seventy late seventies, so uh, I know I was there around seventy seven. Had you ever seen that episode? Um, Do you know what I'm talking about? I saw the one with Fair. Is it the one? There's one with Farrah Fawcett. Um, and then I saw what with the Stacey Perl. Was Stacey Perlton that one with? The, all I can't picture any of the actors that were in uh, besides the main characters, but I think the end was a police chase where they rode skateboards down that part, down that oh. cement wave part. Oh, right? that's cool, man. it was. It was like a downhill type of situation. Am, am I right or no? Well, I know they had like a little snake run that went downhill, and I'm sure they had like a little reservoir as well. Yeah. Um, I just remember there was a pool there, and I dropped in in the pool, and I could get up to the tile already, and I, I was hooked after that. Man. And so did you feel like it was sort of a natural pickup? You know, you, you mentioned how like – I mean limitations with bicycling, but you, you mentioned not like feeling like you didn't have the legs. I, I assume you mean like even like the like sort of – muscular like the the sort of muscle memory that it takes you know because i i for me like i've never been able to like really ride a skateboard well like i can ride a skateboard but like i'm gonna hurt myself nine out of ten times right like i just it felt like i never had the like my brain didn't talk to my body in the in the right way well yeah you know skateboarding is dangerous man i've hurt myself tons of times so regardless you know, whether, whether it's BMX, whether it's skateboarding, whether it's surfing, snowboarding, motocross, you're going to get hurt. Yeah. Um, and that's just part of the game. Um, what I mean, I didn't have the legs. I meant like back then it was all about racing and there wasn't really guys riding, well, that I knew of riding half pipes and doing airs. And, you know, someone that really was attractive to me back in the day as a daredevil was um, Evil Knievel. So jumping off things and flying through the air, I mean, that was something that was attractive to me. And, and of course, I did that with, with the BMX bike. And, but with skateboarding, it just seemed like very challenging for me, you know, and, and it's something that I could progress in. And, and it was fun. I love the way it, it felt, the feeling that it gave me of an accomplishment of just trying something over and over and over. And that's kind of how I relate to it with art, too, you know, with skateboarding <clears> – <throat> You know, skateboarding means a lot of different things to people. It, it means transportation. It means art. It means sport. Um, you know, so it, it depends on the individual. You know, to me, skating is an art form, which you can, you know, the world is an open canvas when it comes to skateboarding. So that's why the two kind of mesh together. Um, same with music as well. That's why I think the the connection with uh... – 
with graffiti in skateboarding is the and and it's it's a commonality on the show like it's like nine out of ten artists have the same sort of beginning story and there's something about like uh reinventing your environment that is sort of uh something that encompasses most creative types did you find that too like you know for a skateboarder they look at uh, a sidewalk differently than somebody who's just walking down the street whereas like a graffiti writer looks at or even like a muralist or somebody who's making something in the public looks at a particular uh, wall or something in a different way yeah for sure you know skateboard is is actually your tool it's kind of like a paintbrush or a spray can and it's something that can use to be creative with and also challenge yourself in the same way. So um, that's why it's so attractive to me because it's uh, sky's the limit when it comes to skateboarding. And, you know, 1980 was a time where we were trying to invent a lot of tricks because there weren't that many skateboard tricks back then and street skating wasn't really around. Um, And I remember back in 1980, I was just like, man, what else can we do on a skateboard, you know? And that was, you know, over 35 years ago and so much has been done since then. So, you know... um, because I believe that we are creative beings, you know, and people who are participate with any kind of activity like that, you're going to get something fresh and new because the mind's always thinking what, what can be done, you know, what, what, where can we go to push ourselves? And I feel the same way with art, you know, art, art's the same way, you know. Yeah, it, there's, there's the problem-solving aspect. So that's what I'm curious about in those early days when you're, you know, contemplating where does this go next? Um, you know, a lot of us learn in art or, you know, I, I practice jujitsu. So if something, if I get submitted in some particular way, it tells me, okay, here's a few steps where I went wrong. Do I go back and fix A, B, C, you know, whatever, one, two, three. Um, did you find it the same way? Were, Were you learning tricks by failing? Were you learning tricks by like thinking it up in your head and thinking, wow, is this possible? What, what was that kind of evolution like? Again, you know, from in my frame of thinking, they're, they're sort of you're out on the forefront of like pushing the the sport. So I, I'm curious how those things sort of evolve, you know? Well, sometimes they're accidents, you know? Sometimes they're just kind of just daydreaming about things and <laughs> kind of seeing them first in your mind and then uh, – I believe if you can see it in your mind, it can be done, you know. Um, And that's the same with art, too, I I feel. You know, it's just kind of just thinking things, uh, looking at things differently. And obviously, there's some people that just look at life differently than others, you know. And, you know, there's there's people out there that aren't afraid to express themselves. And, you know, and that's where artists and skateboarders and musicians come. So you got you were a musician early on as well. So did did that all come out of the the same sort of thing? I mean, obviously a musician has a different sort of um, aspect in terms of working within a group, whereas I I feel like like things like art and – but maybe it could be singularized, but art and skateboarding are very um, individualistic by nature. Um, Although you could do them in groups, I feel like the act is is sort of individualistic. and you know self-expressive where within a group uh you have to work together to form uh something that's uh a collective per se do you 
do you feel that there's any sort of differences between those two things? I feel it works both ways because obviously I've skateboarded with, uh, we've done double doubles routines where we had two people skating the bowl at once. I just took a photo just two days ago at Tony Hawk's ramp with five guys skating. Yeah, I and that. take a photo like that. It's a piece of art, you know. I mean, how where do you get five guys doing the same trick at the same time? It takes a lot of skill and timing to get that done. That's a lot of years of uh, experience. Um, I've seen killer collaborations with artists. You know, one guy adding one thing and another guy adding another part. I mean, we collabed on that that art piece yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, at Etnies, you know, and it was a great piece as a whole. You know, so it works both ways. You can have individual expression or you can have a collaborative. And, you know, what comes to music, I've, I've heard people do solo things. I've heard people do with two people in the band, three, four, five, you know. So the more people you add, the more creativeness you get to it, you know. Yeah. And it's just all different. It's all relative what, you, what, what you're looking for for the end product, you know. So, you know, with these aspects, you can work together or you can work alone. Yeah, it, you- to be honest, I've always had like a twinge of jealousy that uh, like groups or bands have had the ability to work together and like do a thing that's like uh, you know it, it, it ends up becoming something other than yourself. So it feel like it's not. I'm not saying one thing is better than the other thing, but I, I think that there may be something special happens in those those moments. And I get that when being able to work on large scale projects with with other artists. Uh, I think though for, for most painters that tends to be the minority amount of time that you, you spend is working with a a large group of people or a few people, but that's not everybody, right? Like uh, there's a, there's a bunch of artists who are, are, I've, I've wanted to team up with people and start something brand new. Like don't tell anybody it's like a collaborative thing, but now that I'm ratting myself out on the podcast. (laughs) Well, you know, it really depends on who you're working with, to be honest with you. You have to have, have people that are kind of on the same program. Because I've been in bands where it, it just didn't work out because our, the way we thought wasn't on the same page. You know, So um, it just really depends on if you have a friendship with those people too and, and if, if, you're, if you're willing to be able to take produ- produ- uh, productive criticism. You know, and, and that's when it comes down to you know, it comes down to criticism and whether you can take it or not, you know, and uh, whether you care or yeah. whether you just want to do your own thing. So everyone kind of does something for their own reasons, you know, and uh, but I, I find out that the most successful people are the people who are consistent and the people that keep doing things no matter what people say, you know, and that's what it was with skateboarding for me. You know, um, I started at age 14 um, getting sponsored. um and becoming pro at 15, you know, and um, I had a friend tell me, like, what are you going to do after you're 21? Because you, your, your career's over, you know, because no one, nobody skates after 21, right? And I'm 50. So we kind of rewrote the book on uh, the mentality of what skateboarding is to the public, what it is to the society, um, what you can come up, what can come up from it, you know, and... Um, you know, we've we've done a really cool thing with uh, just taking something that we loved as a hobby and a passion for, and creative jo- we created jobs and opportunities. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to be able to look back now 
and be able to see the scope of it. Well, kind of all meshes, you know, kind of all meshes because artists have been successful because skateboarding has been successful. You know, you see so much art on skateboards. Music has become uh, successful because it's been um, included in skateboard videos. It helped promote the band, um, doing tours and everything. Um, You know, so it kind of all kind of goes together, you know, and um, one helps the other for sure. Yeah, I know for sure I've had at least, you know, five or six albums that I've gone and bought just because I heard one song on a video, you know, that like was a track that I just thought was awesome. And, you know, that's back in the day when you couldn't go and look on YouTube or or download anything from anywhere. Like (laughs) you had to actually go to the record store and, and pick something up. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. You know, first time I ever had heard Metallica was on a cassette tape that my friend gave me. And um, I was, you know, I lived in San Jose. We had a competition in, in Jacksonville, Florida, all the way across the the U.S. And my friend gives me a tape saying, check this band out. I'm like, Who, what, what is it? You know, oh, it's a band called Metallica. I think you really like them, you know, and it was their first album. And after that, I was a, I was a huge fan. And, you know. They, they, they've become pretty successful over that time. <laughs> and that, again, is that uh, that sort of cohesiveness, right? Where, like, you know, just picking up a tape that gives you some sort of inspiration, either to go out and skate a little harder or to go out and, and make some painting or get in the studio or whatever, you know, your choice of uh, your creative mechanism is, is uh, that sort of artistic exchange, maybe? Yeah, I mean, yeah, music goes hand-in-hand hand with that kind of stuff because of the mood it puts you in. You know, like, I definitely won't paint to the stuff I skate to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I probably won't skate to the stuff I paint to. So, you know, the stuff I paint to is kind of more soft tone and, and melodic and just kind of easy, easy listening. And, and stuff I skate to when it comes to, like, ramps or bowls and stuff is really hard and fast kind of punk metal looking back is there anything specific you know to looking at the longevity of a career can you can you sort of pinpoint anything sort of in a general way of things that have helped you along the way you know like you said like you were supposed to retire at 21 and here you are still doing your thing 30 years later uh is there anything specific along the way that you feel like has really helped you that would, you know, maybe even for in the, the point is that we're sort of coming up with the idea that most of these creative paths are sort of have a similarity. Right. Um, so, you know, I just talked to somebody earlier today, uh, Fred Stonehouse, who has had a 30 year long painting career. And I talked to him about, you know, being sort of like a journeyman, like putting in your time, like working hard, uh, staying on your path, like you said, consistent. Um, and, you know, he may not be like the most world famous artist in the world selling for the most money in the world, but he's built himself a 30 year career that has sustained him and he's done what he's wanted. And it seems to me that you're along those same paths, um, obviously in a in a different sort of mechanism. But uh, what do you feel like is some of those things that have helped you out along the way, if any? I would say just um, have fun with what you're doing and enjoy what you're doing. And, and that will lead to uh, success in anything. But also, um, 
keep an open mind and challenge yourself and maybe step out of your comfort zone. I think a lot of people are just kind of in this little comfort zone and they won't leave it. So it kind of deteriorates um, where they can go and the possibilities that they can attain from expanding their horizons and, and also experiencing new avenues and just being less fearful of what they what they don't know and just challenge yourself to something, you know, and I always feel like, you know, if you just leave that door open, you know, and someone knocks on it, answer it, you know, and, and, and take the call and, and go for it, you know, and, you know, it, you may, it may be a scary thing, but you never know unless you try. Yeah. I think that's good. Um, on a secondary note on the same line, how do you deal with pain and the discomfort of falling and, you know, the, the things that come along? So I've been practicing jujitsu for four years now, uh, which is obviously a very short period of time in comparison. Uh, but at 36, I feel the aches and pains of just roll. Like if I get thrown on the ground and I know how to fall, you know, like I know the mechanisms of falling. So it isn't going to like destroy me, but it's still like the next day in I, I feel it like my knees start to ache and shoulders ache. Uh, is there anything that you've done physically to, to, to lengthen the career as well? I think everybody's different. Everyone's kind of genetics are, are different, you know, and you got to just kind of find your own pace. And I would say just eating well, you know, making sure you know what's going inside your body so that your bones are healthy, that you're healthy, your muscles are healthy and just, just daily exercise and, and uh, just like I said, you know, a lot of people take care of their cars, you know, they put oil and gas and have tune-ups. And when it comes to our bodies, we don't do that, you know, and there's not a lot of uh, maintenance that goes, you know. So, you know, I don't, I don't do any drugs. I don't drink. I don't smoke, you know. So it's like that right there is helping me have some longevity as far as being an athlete, you know. I, I wish I had done yoga earlier and been a little bit more flexible because I, I you know, at 50, I'm, I'm feeling those aches and pains and not be able to bend down as far as I'd like to. And that limits me to what I can do. There's a few tricks I can't do because I'm not limber enough, you know, but I've kind of watched my weight over the years and I've done um, cleanses and, and, and changed my diet tons of times. I've watched lots of videos and documentaries on, on, on food. And, you know, those things are very important, especially when you get older, when your, your body's deteriorating, you know, no, you, that's just life, man. Yeah, it's, 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 it's going to start to break down. So the best, if you can take care of yourself the best you can, you're going to have a long performance, you know, and, and that's, you know, I decided that a long time ago that I want to be an athlete for as long as I can. So I need to stay healthy. You know, so try to stay away from stuff that's going to um, limit that process. Well, uh, you're always welcome to come train some jujitsu with me if you want to. It's always good for actually my one of my jujitsu instructors is also a yoga instructor. Awesome. So a lot of our warm ups before we get started and learn the techniques and things is like a, a very general basic uh, yoga warm up, too. Yeah, I mean, I used to, you know, make fun of, like, the fact that I didn't do anything else. You know, I didn't stretch or anything, but now I'm feeling it, you know. Yeah. But I do, I do cross-train a little bit, you know. I've been riding mountain bikes a lot, so that's really helped with my endurance and everything. And, 
I'm also a fan of motocross. I love riding dirt bikes, and that's really dangerous. <laughs> I've, I've hurt myself lots of times with that, but it's just kind of a love-hate relationship where, you know, it's like skating. I mean, skating's super dangerous, but I don't really think about it, you know? I don't think about how dangerous until I actually get in a predicament, you know? That's a, I, I mentioned this morning, um, my buddies run a bike shop, SD Wheelworks, here in, um, in Mira Mesa. And um, they have a mini ramp in the back of the warehouse. Maybe like six, like from the bottom of the vert to the top, maybe six foot, may, yeah. maybe seven foot, just estimating. But if you, if for me, I go stand up there and look down, like it scares the fuck out of me. Like it really is scary. And you watching you there's obviously a long period of time there's such a sort of naturalness to the the movements that it doesn't look as scary watching you as i know it actually is does that make sense well it's, it, yeah it, it comes down to practice and, and repetition you know repetition with everything it's kind of it's going to be become a part of you you know and the more and more you do it and train your your muscles and your mind to repeat those steps, um, it could become second nature to you. And that's with everything, you know. Um, I don't, personally, personal opinion, I don't believe in natural talent. I believe that everything that we do takes work. Um, hence singing. I know there's people that have great voices, and I've tried my darnest for many years to be able to sing, and I just don't have it. And I've come to that conclusion that, that I was not blessed with that gift. But things like painting, playing guitar, skateboarding, riding dirt bikes, anything act, active, um, it, it didn't come easy for me. It may look easy while I'm doing it, but that's how I train. That's how I practice. I practice it so when I do perform it, it does look easy. So if you ever watch me skate in person, you'll see I fall a lot. But when it comes down to business – when it comes down to performing a trick, it's going to be as smooth as possible because that's how I want to land it, you know? Yeah. I think uh, there's, you seem to have a certain work ethic uh, built into the things that you do. Is that – do you feel like that was something that was also learned or is that some – you you know, I, I talk about this idea sometimes that certain things are genetic. Like uh, we get certain things from our genealogy, certain like – uh, like certain traits that just, you know, even the, like what you're talking about, I think for singers, uh, I think people who are born with certain jaw structures uh, have a better singing voice than others. I think that's really the determination. Like people with a wider jaw set with like a large open palate area in their mouth tend to be better singers than somebody uh, like myself, who's kind of nasal and like everything is kind of packed in there and it, you know, there's not a lot of space. So like, uh, but the, did, did that hard work ethic, um, come along with just forcing yourself to challenge yourself or is that something that, you know, did you pick it up from your folks? Is it something that has been a part of you and more? Is it something that you learned? Like, you know, I like to think of the idea of somebody who kind of figured something out on their own and realized, uh, you know, like some people find a pathway that it takes failing or, or messing up to realize they need to go a different pathway. And in that, they learn a work ethic. You know, do, do you find that for yourself? Because it seems like you have a very. Yeah, I believe that. I, I'm a true believer of you have to fail to succeed. 
and you have to be not afraid to fail. There's a lot of people that are afraid to fail, which they never become successful. There's people that don't want to lose. They don't want to play games because they don't want to lose. So you have to be willing to to not always want to win all the time and, and to know that you, you have to fail at things to succeed. So with skateboarding, there there's no – you can't fake skateboarding. You, you're going to feel it if you fail, and it shows. So that right, that right there really taught me a lot about – work ethic and um how hard things are you know it, it, it everything's got a trick to it everything's got a um a procedure and a lot of people do things different and they and a lot of people look different while they're doing it but um we have the capability to figure those things out it's just really do you have the patience you know that's another thing you know um some people have a lot of patience some people don't the people with a lot of patience are going to learn more than the people that don't. Yeah, I think we, we, we're in a so are, you born, so are you born like that? Are you born with more patience than another person? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say. It, you know, your surroundings probably have a lot to do with that. I, I discussed earlier this idea of um, boredom playing a pivotal role in, like, pushing creativity. And so I wonder if, if it seems like we're – as generations go by, the attention spans are getting slightly shorter, maybe. And, you know, I'm not blaming anybody or being like, oh, the kids these days. But, you know, I think there's certain things like the really modern technology and the way that we uh, – like we talked about, like you had to go search out an album. You couldn't just, like, download it. Like there's an instant gratification. So I think – I think that that tends to kill work ethic a little bit because you know if in one area you're uh you snap and whatever you want is right there and with something like that takes time and effort like something like skateboarding or painting or or music you got to sit down for a while you got to put in the time and sit down for a while it really depends on your passion and and what your end goal what how how much you want you know, how much you want it you know, that's that work. That's where it comes down to your work um, and, and how much patience you have. And um, and to be honest with you, you know, um, I have a short attention span for a lot of things myself. You know, just really it's really depends on the person, the personality and short attention spans just kind of just is a reality check on really that nothing really matters. It's really it's really short, short experience, uh, life achievements that don't really matter. You know, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's like, you know, I, I, there was a time in my life where I was so bored. I had tons of money um, in the 90s and I was collecting toys and I like decided one day, you know what? I want to start a toy collection. So I started one toy collection and I saw got trapped to something else. So I want to start another toy collection. And then I would buy these things and and put them in these collections and stuff. And I'd be all excited about it, you know, for a little while. And then I'd I'd attain it. And I'd stick it on the shelf and I'd be like, okay, now what? You know what I mean? Like, it's just meaningless. It's boredom, you know? <laughs> you know, to some person, you know, it's worth a lot of money. To other person, it's a piece of garbage, you know? So who's to say? Maybe that gets back to that thing that you were talking about, though, like just have fun. Like, you know, maybe for you to have that for a moment, even though <clears throat> maybe only a short moment, there must be some sort of fun 
in that initial purchase or like when you first get it or like to be able to examine and it's there's this weird thing i feel like you know with with particular toys it's clearly an art form right yeah it's it's it is you know it's it definitely you know i've used that to my advantage when it when it's come to creating art you know i can look behind me and look at all these things that are um that inspired me as a kid that i collected and i look at something like hey i want to draw ultraman today you know, hey, I want to draw Evil Knievel, or I want to draw a superhero, or or Nightmare Before Christmas um, toy, or something. So yeah, definitely that stuff has helped me in, in a way or another, and it's actually brought smiles to other people who look at my art and stuff. You know, and so yeah, in a sense, you know, it has helped one thing or the other. But like, but at the end of the day, it really all doesn't matter. We're, when we go, we're not taking any of this stuff with us. Yeah. So we're just, it's borrowed time. <laughs> so, <laughs> this so, interview really doesn't have any meaning. Yeah, it has zero. But <laughs> No one's going to care. <laughs> but then if, if you're to sort of dig for some extra value, I guess, uh, which I think is the most, for me personally, like a, a important part of life is the experience of life, right? Yeah, and some people have great experience and some people have terrible experiences. But even within that terrible experience, being having the opportunity to have experienced is in and of itself like the real benefit. Short term. Short very short term benefit. <laughs> no, nice. I love I love life. It's fun. No, that's I, I mean I enjoy it. There's some realistic viewpoints there, you know what I mean? Like, in in terms of like what you were talking about, like with fear and uh, the things that maybe hold people back. Like, if you can have the type of mindset of, you know, and, and it doesn't really matter. Like, don't allow your fears to stop you, and you know, just have fun, right? Yeah, that's fear the Doogie Howser moral of the story I'm taking. For today. <laughs> yeah, fear does really limit people for sure. All right, Steve, I want to thank – I know you got to go pick up the kids from school. I want to um, thank you for, for taking the time to uh, to talk with me. I know uh, you got a very hectic schedule, and uh, I, I hope that we can get together. Let's make some art. You want to do a collaborative thing since we, we talked about some? Yeah, we should. Yeah, I just uh, – like I said, got to find time. You know, tomorrow I'm flying out to Vegas to play with my band, The Faction, the next following weekend after that, I'm out to uh, Texas for the X Games to go judge and do some demos. So uh, just trying to work things in between. You know, I got a couple art shows uh, coming up around here in North County, too. So Perfect. Um, for people who don't know, uh, where can they check out some of the – we didn't get to touch too much on the paintings as much, but where can uh, people see the work that you're making? Um, Instagram or Facebook. I have Instagram. It's Stevie Cab. Beautiful. S T E V I E C A B. Um, I'll post things here and there. I don't really have a website. Um, I kind of just use Instagram for promotional use and kind of connect it with Facebook. So they can find um, things in the past. They can kind of scroll through my page and see what I've done and what I'm up to. I always do. I always put posts of what's going on and what you know where they can find me and um, track me down. Perfect. All right, Steve, I want to thank you again for taking the time. Um, half cabs, best shoes ever. Thank you. In the history it. of shoes ever. Yeah, we're stoked. Um, 
they've still been selling pretty well and um, wearing some right now. Dang, those are some fancy ones. Yeah, these are actually uh, Pendleton, um, and they were limited edition made for this uh, skate of nations in Albuquerque for um, this Indian reservation uh, that they have a skate park and they get a bunch of uh, people from the reservation and get together and, and have a powwow there and celebrate skateboarding and, and try to get these people off of uh, drugs and alcohol, you know? So it's really good. They, have, they do it every year. Van sponsors it. And then the guy um, who puts it on uh, has these special half cabs made. So That's awesome, man. All right, brother. I hope to uh, see you soon. If uh, if not, I'll catch you at one of these gallery shows or um, out around town. Hopefully, uh, let's do internet dap and then we'll call it done. Bam! Thank you, brother. All right, thank you. Appreciate Have a good it. day. I'll see you soon. Peace. Later. God bless. All right. So that was my talk with Mr. Steve Caballero, skateboard legend. Thrasher called him uh, skateboarder of the century in uh 99 i think somewhere around there um pretty cool to talk to him i'm sure all the the skateboard art nerds out there will be psyched to to hear that um as always make sure you go check out mikemaxwellart.com click on the blog or no no actually fuck the blog i should take that off that uh click on the podcast go check out all the other guests who have been on the show you can uh, subscribe on itunes you could listen to the show right there on the, uh, the my website or download the MP3 right there. But if you go to iTunes and subscribe and leave comments and hit the stars and shit, that helps the ratings and uh, makes people who are super cool like Soho Design House sponsor the podcast. So um, as always, go follow the podcast at Live Free Podcast. Follow me at Mike Maxwell Art. Go follow Soho Design House at S O H O. DH on Instagram and it's SohoDesignHouse.com Alright guys, thanks again for listening. Um, I'll talk to you probably next week. I'm trying to stay on top of things here, as you can see, a couple episodes in a row without having to wait two months. Um, so keep track. I'll try to keep uh, getting new guests on. I'm haggling a bunch of people just trying to get uh, schedules organized. Um, I won't... I, I thought about uh, that I might jinx this one by talking about it before it happened but it looks like it happened so alright guys I will talk to you next time love you so Life is ours, we live it our way.